Ezekiel 47. And beginning with verse 1. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside of the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, and then he led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits, and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to his waist. He measured off another thousand But now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into Erebeth, where it entered the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because the water flows and makes salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore. From Engedi to En-Egliam, there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish in the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows from them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. Lord, add his blessing to the scriptures. You may be seated. The grass withers, the flowers fade. But the word of our God endures forever. I think, I think all people of faith would respond with affirmation that they desire a closer walk with God. And I want to talk about that this morning. Uh, you will recognize the name Irving Berlin who was born Israel Esador bin Lain, of Russian and Jewish descent. Without question, one of America's foremost songwriters and composers. He died in New York in 1989. He was 101 years old. He wrote such iconic songs as God Bless America, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas, and, and many, many, many others. Toward the end of his years, he was asked 
about the interviews that he has had, thousands of them, he says, of all the interviews that you've had, what question would you have liked them to have asked you that they did not ask you? And he thought about it for a moment. There were thousands of interviews. And he said, of all the interviews I have ever done, no one ever asked the question. Of the songs that I wrote that were not hits, what I thought of those songs. God Bless America, Broadway musicals, lots of songs, scores of American films. What about those other songs? And his answer is, of all the songs that I wrote that were not hits, I love them as if they were. I was just as proud. They were as wonderful as the songs that became hits. Everybody in this church, everybody listening as we speak, you're not people that the world would call hits. <laughs> you know? But God made each and every one of us. And He loves us all the same. He loves us all the same. So this morning, if your life were a song, you know, what would it be? What would the song be? Many people have been through so much in their lifetime. Your title might be, Thank You, Lord. Just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're a person who's had a strong determination for things that you have gone through and trusted God no matter what, what the circumstances. Your song might be, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Others have had difficult life, but God's been there. Your song might be, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. You may not be a hit in the eyes of this world, but God loves you. God loves you. And he will take you deeper. He will take you deeper. Every Christian should want a deeper walk with the Lord, a deeper experience of God's grace, a deeper experience of God's forgiveness. And this morning's text teaches us that if we walk with him, God will take you deeper. Water here is a metaphor for life. Uh, and the deeper you go into the water, the deeper you go into life experiences. Because God cannot show you things until he takes you deeper. Because life is just not ankle deep. And life isn't just knee deep. And life isn't just waist deep. Ezekiel is talking to us this morning about a vision that he had. And this vision goes through not only the Old Testament, but the New Testament. It's a vision of the first children of Israel. It's also a metaphor for how God speaks to his people today, the church. The source of this water is the throne of God. We see it in verse 1, coming straight out of the throne of God. Nothing can obstruct its course because it's Source is the throne of God. It's coming from the altar of God. God is the source and nobody can turn it from its course. It comes straight from God himself. He sends it to us. He sends it through us. And he sends it for us. 
Its source is God, its course is God, and its force comes from God. And the force is so strong that nothing can stand in opposition, which is exactly the passage of Scripture that Andy read this morning. Nothing can stand against God. Whenever God wants to do something in this world, if He wants to get His hands on your life, as an individual, I don't care how stubborn you are, I don't care how obstinate you are, if God wants to get His hands on you, He knows just what to do to bring you to himself. It's called irresistible grace. It's a force that compels us, and then all of a sudden, we're in the presence of God. All of a sudden, we're standing before God, because God has so ordered it to be. And we're standing before the presence of God, the force of his power, even when we think we're in control of things. Let me see if I can talk to some control freaks this morning, you might be in charge, but you're not in control. You might be in charge, but you are not in control. God is in control, and nobody can withstand that force. Remember when he arrested the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road, who was on his way to arrest members of the church? The Spirit of God said, why do you persecute me? And here it is. Listen to it. It's hard for you, he said, to kick against the goads. What does that mean? What does that mean? God is saying to Paul, it's hard for me to miss you if I really want to talk to you. If I really want to get my hands on you, it's hard for you to kick against me. Because I'm coming at you. Remember uh, years ago, it's been some years ago, the tsunami in Japan that happened. The force was so great of that tsunami that the earth turned on its axis one inch. You know that. Turned on its axis one inch, pushed the entire country of Japan one-eighth of an inch closer to the United States. It was so strong. Everything in its path was swept away. 6,000 miles away, those waves lit the coastline of California. And God is saying, if I want to come over there, if I want to come over there, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. I know how to make you bow your head. And say thank you. Because of the source and the course and the force of my power. Of my power. And here's a vision now here in scripture of a man who's going through the city and he's measuring a river. It's right here in verse 3. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and here it is. And he led me through the water, exactly what we were talking about last week. He led me through the water. Scripture does not say that he brought me in the water, but he brought me through the water. There's a difference between 
getting in the water and going through the water. And if you stay with God, he'll not only take you in the water, he'll brought you through the water. That's what scripture always says this. Anybody here been through? <laughs> Anybody here been through, you know, difficult times, struggles in your life? You've been through the fire, you've been through the storm, through the rain, the sickness, the pain, the heartbreak, the divorce, the financial meltdown, the, the trials, the heartbreaks. Wherever you go in with God, he will bring you through to the other side. The psalmist helps us praise God. He says, weeping endures for the night. Now, a night is not necessarily 12 hours. A night can be 15 years. A night can be 20 years of struggle. But joy, no matter how long the night, the morning's coming. The morning is coming, Scripture says. And when the morning comes, joy comes. Joy comes. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. There's a whole lot of preaching these days about health and wealth. And it doesn't really match our experience. There's not enough about when the morning comes. There's not enough about when the morning comes. When God brings us through the difficulties of our life, through the waters, when God shows himself faithful in the midst of the fiery furnace, in the midst of the lion's dens of our life, and God shows up not so much to bring us money, because when my soul is weary, when I'm tired, and when I need the presence of God, I don't need money. You know, I like the Old Testament. Is, is there no bomb in Gilead? You know, you know that, that old song that we sang? There is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There's a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. When I come through the waters, my testimony is there is a bomb. There is one. And my testimony is weeping, and I know this from my own life, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. He brought me through, and the waters were up to my ankles, but that's not deep enough. It's not deep enough. Sadly, many Christian people in their faith, it's ankle deep. Cursory knowledge of Jesus Christ you know some songs, a few scriptures, got a Bible, you're safe, you're ankle deep. Ankle deep. So when the seas get rough, it won't take you long to get out. Because it's just ankle deep. Life's seas are choppy. Life's seas are ferocious. There are some things that God's got to do for us to mature us. To mature us. And this text is really about maturity. Of maturing in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
A person who's satisfied with a faith that's ankle deep is immature. The, the least little thing, and you're upset. You know, scurrying around, things that bother you all the time, in tears, somebody hurts your feelings. Can't stay in that Sunday school class, somebody said something. Don't like it. Someone doesn't speak to you, I'm going to another church. Ankle deep. Don't let you sing your song. You're mad. Ankle deep. Because nobody, nobody can stop you from singing your song. Nobody. Your life is a song to God. It's a song to the Lord. And nobody can stop me from praising God, from, from giving my best to God with my life. My, my song may not sound like much. My voice might not be the best. That's why we let Andy sing. But I'm not singing to you. You understand? I'm not singing to you. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. And his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. I'm not singing, I'm not preaching for you. When I go over scripture and I look at things, I'm thinking about God and God's words and God's heart. And it comes through me to you, but it comes here first. I'm not coming to church to satisfy anybody. I don't need applause. I don't need a pat on the back. I'm not coming to church to satisfy you. You know, we're, we're looking on... Uh, I, got a, I got a text from Jamie this morning. I liked it. Jamie texted me on the way over to church and I was reading it. It says, I love Jesus and I love God. Made my day. I love Jesus and I love God. I mean, that's, that's about it. I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm here because God's been good to me. God's been good to me. God's been good to us, and I include Mary in that. Because he gave his life for us. Gave his life for us. It's a reasonable thing for me to be here to worship him. It's reasonable. It's right that I be here to worship him. You, you need a faith that's more than, than ankle deep. Yeah, um, uh, you, you, read in, I, I, you read in the Bible, we're going to talk about this Wednesday night because we're in the fifth chapter of Revelation, which is praise in heaven. But, it, but all, all through the Bible, God says, praise me. Right? Praise me. Praise me. And he'll, he'll say something, don't, don't you think I'm great? God's saying, don't you think I'm great? Look at what I've done. Look at the mountains. Look at the, look at the, we just sang about creation. Look at creation. Don't you think I'm great? 
Praise me. Praise me. Why is God always asking for praise? He doesn't need it. You need it. You need to praise God. All creation worships something. And he says, praise me. I'm worthy of your praise. Everything worships. Everybody worships something. Um, you must worship. I, 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 on my way over here, I, I never stopped working on this sermon. I, but I, just this morning, I pulled this out, statement by C.S. Lewis that I really like. He says this, he says, to see what worship really means, we must suppose ourselves to be in perfect love with God, drunk with it, drowned in, dissolved by that delight which, far from remaining spent and pent up within us, flows out excessively. Drunk with God. Drunk with God. Drowned in God. Immersed in God. And, and Richard was talking yesterday about the Scriptures, to eat the Scriptures, to love the Word of God in, in our study with the men yesterday. And then he says in verse 4, he measured off another thousand cubits and let me into the water and it was knee deep. Now, faith that's knee deep is better than ankle deep. But it's not where you ought to be. Not where you ought to be. When your faith is knee deep, you've learned some things. Maybe you, you, you know, different type of things, prayer and and Christians, you're never taller than when you're on your knees before God. There are some things that can't come to us until we're on our knees before God. Uh, listen, God's been good to you. And we sing that song about, about the blessings of God. Every blessing he pours out, I'll turn back into praise. I'll turn back into praise. And you just get on your knees and say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Uh, those of us who have been raised in Christian homes can remember mom and dad on their knees. And my parents didn't have a whole lot of money, um, but they knew how to pray. They knew how to pray. At bedtime, either my mother or my father would come up and we'd kneel at the bed and we'd pray. And... Uh, for the longest time, my dad didn't have a house. He was always in a parsonage. It wasn't his. We had an old Chevy Biscayne that we drove around. Six kids, we had to draw straws to who got to take out somebody on Friday night on a date because there was only one car. But I could still see in my mind my dad on his knees praying for the family praying for the church prayed for everything thank you Lord that I, when I woke up this morning when I woke up this morning I saw a brand new day a day I've never seen before with opportunities with opportunities knee deep Better than ankle deep. But there's more. Verse 4 again. Right here in the text. He measured off another thousand and he led me through water that was up to my waist. Now, now water 
Now, you know, you can go swimming. Water up your waist is better than water knee to ankles, but it's still not where you ought to be. And uh, water up to your waist begins to move you. You know, if there's a current, you, 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 you're, you, you fight against it. You're, you're moving differently. The water's pushing you. The water's doing things to you. The water to the waist moves you. It pulls you by its force. But you can still get back to shore when you want. You know, that's good. That's good. But listen, you don't need a faith that when trouble comes, you, you can run back. Why? Because what I'm going back to is not what I'm going forward for. There are some of us here, like myself, I, I, I hope, I'm an open book. I'm an open book. Um, I don't care what people think much. I don't care that you know my past. I've blabbered about that enough. You know? Because it's in my past. It's in my past. I'm not bragging about it. I'm just testifying. I'm testifying. He brought me through. He brought me through. There's enough in my past to be ashamed of in my life. Not bragging. I'm testifying that I came through. With God's help. I've, 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 I've done some stuff I wish I didn't do in my past. I've said things I wish I didn't say. I've hurt people in my life I wished I didn't hurt. Words that I wished I could put back into my mouth. Actions I wish I'd never done. But they're in my past. They're in my past. But for me, my past is not a mirror, it's a window. It's a window. My past is not held up to me as a mirror of shame to keep reminding me of how terrible I am, of, of, of what I used to be, but it's a window for me to look back through and see what the Lord has done, how the Lord has brought me through, and saying, I'm not going that way anymore. I, that hurt. I don't want to be there anymore in my life. He has done so much for me. He, you know, we, we talked several weeks ago. He took my feet from the miry clay. Yes, he did. Placed me on the rock to stay. Yes, he did. He opened so many doors in my life. So many doors in my life. Uh, made so many ways that I'm not going back. I'm not going back. God has been good to us, and I include Mary, and every time I look back, I give God glory. I give God the glory. I don't need a praise team to lead me in praise. I'm glad they're here. If they weren't here, I'm still going to praise the Lord. Don't need no high fives. I just have to think. I just have to think about what God has done in my life. God's been so good to me. I just have to think. And it makes me want to praise. Waist deep is better than knee deep, and that's better than ankle deep, but it's still not where we ought to be. Still not where we... This vision of Ezekiel goes to even deeper than that. 
it's, it's wet his ankles where a lot of people are. We've wet our appetite for Jesus. Some of us have learned some prayers. You know, now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord. My, that's for five and six-year-olds. Some of us have waded into our waist. We're feeling it now. We're feeling it now. But you can still see more of you than the water. Whenever you see more of you, you're not in deep enough. You're not in deep enough. Whenever you see more of you than Christ, you're not in deep enough. It's your ways, your desires, your plans, what you want, waist deep. But we want to see more of Jesus. We want people to see more of Jesus in our lives. When it says he brought me deeper, verse 5, it says it was deep enough to swim in. Deep enough to swim in. Now, deep water is terrifying, right? Deep water is dangerous. But what gives us the buoyancy, what, what helps me to, to stay afloat, is that he lifts me. God is now in control. I'm not in control. I'm in deep water. God's in control. I'm not there by myself in the midst of all this. This is a word for somebody this morning, and I don't know what you're going through or what you have going on in your life, but when you walk through the waters, the waters will not drown you. The fire will not burn you because he promised, he promised that he would be with you. I will never leave you. He promised And what gives my heart comfort this morning is that no matter what I go through, he's with me. He's with me. In my teen years, when I didn't have enough sense to call on his name, in the 20s, when I think I had everything going on, you know, got everything going on, 30s and 40s, when I'm making it by myself, providing for not only myself, but my family, I got, I'm okay. But when I got in my 50s and 60s and I started thinking differently because life starts to turn on you a little bit. I don't know why people want to, want to stay young. <laughs> because there's stuff I didn't know in my 20s that God taught me in my 60s. I've got a deeper relationship with God now than I've ever had in my life. Ever. Because the stuff that I had been through, the things that I've gone through, has deepened my faith, deepened my walk with the Lord. I have wisdom, depending on who you talk to, I have wisdom now that I never had before. If I had not allowed him to take me deeper, and he took me swimming in the deep end, in the deep end. Verse 6, he asked me, son of man, do you see this? And he led me back to the bank of the river. Do you see this? Do you, do you understand this? And he led me back to the bank of the river. Uh, some of you have been to Minnesota, upper Minnesota. There's a, the source of the, the Mississippi River. And in Minnesota, it's very small. You could, you could stand here and stand there, and the, the source of the Mississippi can go right between your legs. You know, And it starts that way. It's small. It starts out as a, what it says in this passage, actually, too, is a trickle. But it's small enough to stand over. But when the Mississippi comes to the Mississippi Delta that we see here, the river is huge. 
and it flows out in the sea at its mouth. It's an overwhelming stream, an overwhelming stream of water. It's called the mighty Mississippi, the mighty Mississippi. The reason that is that it has rivers and tributaries and, and streams flowing into it all the way down from Minnesota, but the river in Ezekiel has no tributaries, no streams, because God is the source. God is the source. He needs nothing. He's God whether you join him or not. He can direct the course of your life whether you participate or not. You might be in charge, but you're not in control. Everything is moving Godward. Everything. Everything is moving Godward. And this river that Ezekiel sees is a foreshadowing of another river. This is the great thing that we see in Scripture. The Bible is the best commentary on the Bible, right? Best commentary on the Bible. In the book of Ezekiel, he says that the river flows through the city and it healed everything that it touched. Verse 7 says, When I arrived there, I saw great numbers of trees on each side of the river. That's a shadow. That's a type in what it's called in the Scripture of another river. And those of you that know your Bibles... Know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. John said in Revelation 22, I saw a river, pure as crystal, running through the midst of the city of God, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And on either side of the river, in verse 2, was a tree of life. And the leaves of that tree, Ezekiel says, they're medicine. John says, it's good for the healing of the nations. Thank God there's another river. Thank God there's another river. Thank God there's another tree. Because we got in trouble with a tree, remember back in Genesis? <laughs> we, got, we got in trouble with a tree back there in the beginning. But in Christ, God redeemed us on another tree, on a hill called Calvary. On a hill called Calvary. But there's another tree that when we all get to heaven, we all get to where God's taking us, the leaves on that tree are good for the healing of the nations, the healing of bodies. While we're here, there will be aches and there will be pains and trouble up on every side, ups and downs of life, just the ebb and flow of all things. But Ezekiel shows us that if we stay true to the vision and go on with God, God will ultimately give us the victory. And the victory is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came and he died on a tree of life. A tree of life. Because Jesus died on it. He died on it. The Romans called it a cross, but for the believer, it's a tree of life because there can be no life without the shedding of blood, Scripture tells us. There has to be the shedding of blood. And on the cross, he gave his lifeblood as a ransom for you and a ransom for me. And then early Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, he rose with all power. All power. And I don't want my faith to be ankle deep and I don't want my faith to be knee deep or waist deep. Lord, let me swim. Let me swim in the waters of life. 
Lord, immerse me, take me under. Do what needs to be done to draw me closer to you. Help me worship. Help me love you deeply, sincerely. Mind, body, soul. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for the the truth of the Word of God. That in these changing times, in these tumultuous times, in troubled waters, there is a rock. There is an eternal truth. There is a Christ who stands with us, holds us, walks with us, speaks life to us. Not only now, but in the days to come and into eternity. When that river, which is a symbol of God, becomes our life. We thank you for this word of God today. Apply it to our hearts and to our minds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.